We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall. And as always, joined by my co-host, John Ellis. Mr. One Panther Place. John, what's up? Billy, what's up, man? Your uh, week one is in the books and a lot to get to. Another, another disappointing home opening loss for Panthers. Yes, uh, this is going to be our recap show. Uh, as many of you are aware, we're going to s- stick with the same format as the past two years, uh, do a preview and a, and a recap. And this week, the Carolina Panthers lost in pretty devastating fashion, 26-24 to 24 to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, a lot of the things that we predicted might happen did happen. Uh, I will say the first thing that I remember, in my, I didn't give an official prediction when I hosted the show with Jake from the OBR film breakdown. Uh, but I did say that this game is going to come down to special teams. And while Carolina did not make any special team mistakes, um, they did allow, unfortunately, the Cleveland Browns new kicker, rookie kicker, Cade York, to make a 58-59 yard field goal, which probably would have been good from 60 plus. Um, and yeah, that was a difference. In the game. I mean, there were a lot of plays that led to that being the difference in the game. Uh, but I did feel like it was going to be a close game, and it was. Uh, and I think the most appropriate area to start is, John, when you and I previewed this game, uh, when the schedule came out, you said Bill Callahan and Cleveland's going to want to run the ball. And I just think I wouldn't gloss over the fact that their run defense was going to be an issue. When the general manager last January says that they want to get bigger up front, that tells me that they need bodies to protect against the run they made no notable moves at the edge rushing department i know they brought in guys like carlos dunlap but they didn't sign him they didn't do anything else at that position or on the interior of the defensive line i know might might i dinas they signed him which i thought was a good signing but he again he's not necessarily like a run stuffer he's not necessarily a guy that's going to control the line of scrimmage you don't, they didn't really sign like um you know, players that can help you in this area. And 
when your personnel is this limited against the run, you're going to see that. And I, as much respect as I have for Bill Callahan and the Browns run game, I didn't see anything in that game that made me think that this couldn't be repeated by other teams like the Giants this week or the next or the following weeks when they play like Cordell Patterson and the Falcons or the, I mean, now the Bucks all of a sudden they have a decent run game. So that's just the part where it's the biggest issue. I mean, obviously we're going to get to the other stuff, like how the offense and the officiating, but to me leaving that game defensively, I was left pretty discouraged about the run defense because we knew it was going to be a problem and boy, oh boy, did it show. It was not good. Uh, Billy, we talked about this pretty extensively in the offseason, you and I, and we even talked about it last season, that the, the one area that we get lost in in terms of analysis, I think, is is the run defense because it has become such a pass-intensive league. But when we looked at the schedule, we saw early on, okay, you know what, the Deshaun Watson storyline, the Baker Mayfield storyline, let's sort of you know pump the brakes on all of that. Let's focus on the trenches. And to your point, Cleveland, you know, Callahan has a history here of doing pretty good things in the run game and gives Stefanski credit as well. Although I will say, I thought they called a few too many passing plays. I think they could have stayed to the run a little bit stronger there. Uh, I don't think Brissett needed to throw it 35 plus times, but they hit him on the edges. Uh, you saw what happened in that game. I mean, they was running out of gun, running out of 12, 13 personnel at times, and they were hitting the wide, wide zone and they were doing a lot of pin pull stuff as well. Um, but there was a real effort by this team, Cleveland, to attack the ends, to attack the edges, especially on the defensive left side. And they had a lot of success doing that. Uh, on the left side, they had 10 carries overall for about 65 yards, averaging, you know, you do the math there, about six yards a carry. So it was easy money. Uh, it's disappointing because, as you said, the, the defense, they're trying to add some people personnel-wise to make that better, but the run defense was just atrocious. It was so bad. I mean, up front, Ioannidis, you know, look, is he an upgrade? Is he the same player as Morgan Fox? No, he's not. He's, he's just a different type of player. They bring in Harry Anderson, Henry Anderson, I should say. He gets a lot of snaps. Uh Burns had a lot of tackles, but he also, you know, got pushed around a little bit on the edge. And LeVu as well. Just what kind of we foresaw here. The, the flow of a game against Cleveland is so important. They're a team where they can run at you at will. And if you get behind them and you get behind the sticks on offense, Billy, they can just do this to you all day long. And that was my biggest concern in the second quarter when they got behind. Now, you know, credit Cleveland's defense early on. Joe Woods do some Nice things there through some things that Carolina's offensive line. But, yeah, it, it was just very predictable to me. I, I was impressed by how Mayfield rallied them back there in the third and fourth quarter, hit some shots. Uh, you, you can also say that Cleveland had some breakdowns in coverage there that led to that. But just bad execution all around week one. I mean, you want to see your team come out after what was, you know, we always think it's a great camp, and then we always say the same thing, Billy. Buyer beware. Week one is where you really start to see the product in motion. And I just thought the entire team from start to finish just looked out of sorts. There are some things that you take from week one and you can mark it as maybe you're overreacting. And to me, I think the biggest overreaction, there, there are some areas like 
I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to average 3.3 yards per carry throughout the year. I don't think the run pass distribution will be that skewed either. I think those things are just a one-off and we'll get to them in a second. But to me, the run defense, this isn't something that can just be fixed overnight. Like you're not going to go trade for like Vita Vea or one of these right. really talented interior defensive linemen. This is a choice that you made, the front office made in the offseason, not to address it. You know what? That's fine. They can allocate their resources however they see fit. But when games are played and you're facing teams that like to run the ball and not only just run the ball from, you know, your typical like wide zone concepts, but also gap and power. And you don't have you know the guys on the edge to really set it. Well, you're not fitting gaps properly. I mean, the linebackers, in my opinion, they were all out of sorts. Yeah. And then when you get to the second level, oh boy, did I see some poor tackling at that in that area from, I mean, J.C. Horn did not have a good game. I mean, coverage-wise, it's going to be a little bit time, but, I mean, some of his one-on-one tackling just wasn't there. Yeah. This can be said for the other uh, players in the back, and I think the only defender that maybe showed himself in glory was Jeremy Chin, but even then, like, how much should I even compliment him in that regard? But uh, overall, I mean, Xavier Woods, I should say, he had a pretty decent game in coverage. I would just say this overall about the run defense. I don't know how this is going to be fixed. And it sucks to say it because on this show, you know, you and I as guys who watch the tape and look for solutions among the, some problems that we see. I mean, yes, Cleveland is going to be one of the better running teams they face. I totally get that. But they're going to also face Saquon Barkley, who had how many yards last week? 238? Like, I was... I had glimpses of that game on, and I was watching the first half. The Giants did absolutely nothing. It took a Saquon, like, 68-yard run to finally get them going. And on that final drive, when they went out and scored and took the lead, that was a drive where I've never seen it before. They were literally the focal point of their offense was the running back. So if you don't think Brian Dable, who is a very smart coach, Mike Kafka, those guys are going to come in here or go come into their home stadium and ride the Barkley wave, you're mistaken. They're watching the same tape that you and I are and everyone else. And I just, I'm not sure that anything internally can be done to fix this problem. It's just going to have to take, I don't, I don't even know if it's better execution. I really don't. I'm just, I'm struggling to find solutions to, you know, this pretty big problem. Yeah. And this is what's troubling too, Billy. It wasn't just one theme. You know, they did hit him on the edges, but you look at PFF's breakdown. They do a good job of breaking down zone versus gap. 15 zone runs, 17 gap scheme runs in this game for Cleveland. Yep. That's about as even as you can distribute it. They had 209 design run yards. They had three scrambles for eight yards as well. And then you look at what Tennessee faced against the Giants. You mentioned a little less even distribution there between gap and zone. Nine zone, 18 gap but a total of 214 design running yards between their backs. And and Daniel Jones, as we know, can take off at any time and run. So they're going to present some, some problems here. I mean, this is something that I'm looking ahead to right now and saying, oh, boy, you know, it, it's complimentary football 101. The offense can't sputter early on. They have to be able to stay pace because this defense can be very good. They're built for speed. And that's the problem there. This offense hasn't quite graduated yet. They haven't quite arrived to be playing like a Kansas City, playing from ahead. Um, 
So that concerns me a lot, Billy. And it's not just New York. We don't want to look too far ahead. But you got the Saints. You got San Francisco. Tampa's on the schedule. Atlanta's on the schedule. They ran for 207. Yeah, the Falcons. Their running game is really good. Yeah, so it gets no easier from here. But that's the one thing I look at. You said there's no easy fix. It's not just from personnel. It's scheme. They saw it all against Stefanski's attack here with Bill Callahan coordinating that offensive line. And there's some holes there my grandmother could have ran through. And to their credit, I think Rule said they missed 17 tackles. That shit's got to stop, too. They got to clean that up. I know Chubb's a hard one to get down, but it gets no easier. And I think if you want to take some type of um, correction, that that's certainly one tackle better. And I know they can tackle better. I've seen these guys tackle uh, before in games. So I, I have some sort of optimism that that area can be improved. But when it comes to, you know, out leveraging your defender, setting the edge, you know, running through the correct gaps, not losing, you know, the angles that you're pursuing defenders i that's the stuff that it can't yeah how there can be marginal improvements from players individually and this is no knock on the players each of them have their own individual strengths okay i'm not going to tell you like like aaron donald is not going to be jordan davis and jordan davis is not going to be aaron donald they're just two completely different players who have different strengths as nfl players and that's what you should keep in mind and for this situation, this is a defense now for the second year in a row where it, they need to figure out how to stop the run. And again, they could pro- probably commit an extra body at the line of scrimmage. So you're, you know, you're building your fronts like seven to eight man gaps, maybe like I, I don't even. But then at that point, you're kind of just really tinkering with your defense. But. You have to stop the run. I mean, it's it's just it, you can't be putting yourself in a 14-point hole at home against Jacoby Brissett in the first week of the year. I mean, oh. that just can't happen. I mean, this was this was not an encouraging loss, in my opinion. Now, there were some things and some people and there were some coaches that I actually thought showed themselves well. But overall, this is not a loss that if this team wants to get where they want to get, and that's the coach and the team competing for the playoffs. I know it's a not in, in conference game. So playoff doesn't really you know matter for seedings in this regard, but I mean, you just can't lose at home to Jacoby Brissett. You can't, you knew what the game plan was coming in. You knew they were going to be run intensive. And again, one, I'll just point back to the fact that they did throw 34 times. Cleveland. I mean, that surprised me a little bit, but they had the ball so much in this game that 38 minutes time possession. So the run game facilitated the ability to run that volume of plays. Now, overall, did they gash them in the past game? No. I mean, Carolina did a fair enough job there, but it's Jacoby Brissett. So, man, and Jacoby missed some, Billy. Man, he missed a couple wide open touchdowns in that game. They ran a, I think, a wheel concept against Shaq Thompson there. And, and he got lost in coverage. And there was another one, I think, the Peoples-Jones, maybe it was. And, of course, Henderson gets the P.I. when he gets lost in coverage. And that, that, was, not, that was not effective. So just a, a number of errors on defense that you, you don't want to see early in the season. But once again, th- this is what you got to look back to. You know, this, this statistical, you know, avalanche people throw at you about Carolina's number two defense last year. Look at the situations. Look at red zone which actually they were better this game than they had been last year. I think a lot of that's the quarterback. 
And then just look at the run defense. Once again, you, you let a team start getting momentum on you in the run game like they did, and it just – it can demoralize you. And you, there are there are former players out there, Charles Johnson, K.K. Short. You see their tweets on Sunday talking about what a long season it will be if this is how the run defense is going to be. It's early. It's week one. I get that. But there's some trends there that aren't very encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, pass defense-wise, you summed it up. Jacoby definitely missed some – Easy layups, and that's expected. He's not necessarily a top-end quarterback, but for me, I just want to – I I think the there's a little bit of overreaction on J.C. Horn's performance. He didn't play well at all. I don't think anyone's going to sugarcoat it, but uh, this is his first game in almost a year. Uh, let's give him a little more time before we kind of write him off or you know, give him an ultimatum on where his career trajectory is going to go. Uh, but ultimately I just think there are too many self-inflicted wounds defensively that really just, um, told the story of the game. I mean, CJ Henderson's got to turn his head around in that situation. You can't just, yep. I'm, I'm, I mean, that is just, you, you can't do that in that situation. And it's a 40 yard penalty and they're going to put the ball at the one yard yeah. line. I mean, you, it's a you prayer. have to... throwing up a prayer at that point. I mean, it's like, come on, just get repositioned. Turn your head around and make a play on the ball because Woods is right over the top helping you out there. And if you're not going to turn your head around, just like play his hands or something. Don't play just hand. right pop exactly. him off like that. That that's just you're. I don't know. That was a very silly penalty and um, a deserving one. I I should add. Uh, you know, in regards to anything else, pass defense wise, there was. I, it's just too hard for me to take a, anything away. I did watch the all twenty two, like you said. Uh, you know, Brissett, he he really struggled, and it, it, I want to see how this defense does against some better quarterbacks, and they're they're going to see some uh, eventually. But uh, this uh, this was a game that Cleveland uh, they just controlled the line of scrimmage, and it was pretty evident. Now, offensively, I want to transition now to that side of the ball. You can't start games slow. And I, I want to be optimistic about certain things, and I will be. But to me, I was just I was left very discouraged. I don't care about the run pass ratio. I don't care about Matt Rule's comments, even even though he's right when he says you have to throw to win, which is quite ironic. He didn't say that last year, right? He's right about that. You have to throw to win. Now, the ironic thing, obviously, like I said, is that you know he was putting ultimatums on certain, you know calling a certain amount of runs a game, which I thought was ridiculous at the time. But this is the issue I have with this offense. There is zero creativity. There is zero pre-snap movement. The run schemes are completely bland. There was just, there was nothing to, they weren't helping their offensive line with, like I said, shifts and motions to create angles in the run game. So you can give McCaffrey some sort of chance. It was all just simple handoffs like halfback dives or some kind of counter or power concept, which are all fine NFL concepts. I'm not taking anything away from it, but you have to sprinkle in some window dressing to get these guys moving in one direction or another, just so they have, they might be biting on the wrong gap or something. And that opens up new gaps for you to run through because to me, it was just way too vanilla. The run concepts, We'll get to the passing game in a minute, but if you're going to 10 for 33 for McCaffrey is uh, pretty unacceptable, especially against a defensive line that 
is not very stout in the interior. And Jake and I even Jake even said that himself. This is an unit that can be exploited. But if you're not if you're just going to telegraph some of these runs, then it, you're just making it very easy for the opponent. You really are. I mean, this is uh, from a broad perspective, how Carolina started this game offensively is just unacceptable at home. Get your home crowd there. Punt, 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 interception, punt. And the touchdown comes on on look, credit to Ian Thomas for getting open, but let's be honest, it was a blown coverage. And credit, you know, McAdoo and Mayfield for some up tempo there, but it takes them until you know, the last couple of minutes of the first half to get cooking there. And so that's unacceptable. This is not, you know, an elite defense you're facing here. There are places in their scheme you can attack. I mean, they've got athletes and they've got those edge rushers, especially Garrett, who, who did have a hell of a game against the rookie Akeem Aquano, to be expected, especially with elite. But yeah, you can't start slow like that. You have to identify some run concepts. I mean, I think I saw a tweet earlier. I didn't work in this down yet, but they they use the, the most <laughs> – they, they they didn't diversify personnel-wise at all, Billy. They didn't. I mean, they, they ran the same personnel package basically throughout the entire game almost. Um, you didn't see any of Hollywood Higgins, and Matt Rule had talked about he would have been the next guy in had they had more plays, but they had limited snap counts because they didn't have the ball but for 21 minutes of this entire game. So the other thing you mentioned, and it's very salient, you know, you brought this up in the preseason, is this whole 11 personnel stuff. You know, the fact this is sort of back and forth messaging about, I want to run the ball, be a power run team. Mad rule messages what he does this week about you need to pass to win in this league, which we both agree with. And you sandwich that in between Ben McAdoo's legacy scheme here, which has been 11 personnel. And it's a lot of that throughout this season that you're going to see. So don't expect to to see a lot of 13 personnel. Don't expect to see a lot of power run concepts. They're going to have to make things happen with their front five with three wide on the field. And and so far it's not a good start. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I just, I want to see some sort of creativity in that run game, but that's never been a hallmark of McAdoo. He's not Kyle Shanahan. Or even Kevin Stefanski, who a guy who likes to have his guys, um, you know, a lot of pre-snap motion and shifts, and switching things up at the line of scrimmage, creating angles in the run game. I mean, for all the issues that Matt had with Joe Brady, I thought he did actually show some creativity in the run game. Now, again, it wasn't consistent enough, but and I'm not going to sit here and rehash that entire debate. But yesterday, it, it, there just has to be improvement. Uh, with regards to the run concepts, because you're just you're setting yourself up to fail, and I don't care how good your running back is, you have to give him an opportunity to, uh, you know, a, a chance to run through some holes that are not predetermined like they were. Yep. Uh, so, like you said earlier, uh, just now, you can't put yourself in a hole. And again, I did see the coach's tape. Uh, yesterday evening I saw some more this morning and it was just a combination of things for why the offense started slowly not only were the run concepts pretty bland I would say the past concepts were too I just did not see much schematic innovation on that area to provide Mayfield with some 
easy throws just to get them in the rhythm. I mean, quarterbacks, they're like shooters, like in basketball. They need one or two shots to go in before they can really feel their momentum and just they can see the ball hit the receiver's hands. And when you're starting off, whatever he did, 6 of 16 for like 30 yards or something, that's just, it's tough. And I don't put all the blame on him, of course. It's a combination of a lot of things, whether it's play calling and uh, route designs, receivers not getting open and offensive line issues. And yeah, there's some inaccurate throws too. Uh, but overall, the operation to begin the game has to be better because, like I said, this is a team that they need to have the lead and play within front to give themselves a chance. This is not a team that's built to play from behind. Now, nope. credit to them, they did actually come from behind. And we'll get to some of the things that impressed me. Uh, but for the most part, they have to be much more creative offensively. And again, I'm not asking them to just, you know, watch film of like Sean McVay's offense or whoever and just throw those plays out there. But try to scheme up some guys, some scissors concepts where you have a post and a corner route intersecting each other, some mesh concepts. Just have guys like just try to scheme up some receivers, give them some easy throws. Definitely. I know they tried some of that early in the game. There were a couple of bootlegs where they tried to get Mayfield on the run. And a couple of themes in this game early on and even throughout the game, number one, were the batted passes. I think Cleveland had a good beat, especially Clowney early on, on, on knocking down some of these Mayfield throws, which eliminates big plays. I mean, they had one crosser route to, to the tight end there that could have been a big play, and, and it gets tipped by Clowney early in the game. And then, Billy, the, the – the snap issues. I mean, a lot of this is on the quarterback too, but I would imagine some of this is just lack of continuity from your time at camp. Mayfield, as Matt Rule said, is is just, you know, what, 25, 30 days into this experience. Okay, fair enough. But Elf Line, you know, look, they graded him out pretty nicely on PFF for his pass blocking. I've looked at about half the tape right now. I see some decent things, but there's there's four balls that are on the ground there in critical situations. So, you know, oh blame, blame that. Will, that's just unacceptable. And they're lucky <laughs> to have gotten those back. I mean, the um, McCaffrey one where he ran like 20 yards, they were lucky. Yes. His best run of the game was – it didn't even count, really. It was just a fumble recovery. But it, he gassed him for an explosive after that. It had not been for that play. Who knows if they would have kept some momentum going. But you just – I mean, it, it eliminates your entire ability. I mean, I, I'm looking at the tape now, Billy. There's two on one series I'm looking at early in the game, first quarter where the ball's on the ground. One's out of shotgun, where Mayfield just drops it. The second was, I think, probably on elf line. I mean, that's just terrible. Just blows up your entire game plan at that point. So, uh, but back to your original point about, you know, field position, ball control. seems like every time I turn on the tape, Carolina's back inside of their 20, starting out of drive. And Cleveland's in a nice, cozy position to start their drives. And it's just, it's not a good situation at that point. So they've got to stay ahead of the sticks. You can't consistently live in third and seven, third and nine, third and ten. Uh, and uh, Quanu, look, he's going to grow. And like we said, it's not going to be overreaction Tuesday here on the Roar podcast. But you leave him on an island there, there are going to be times where guys like Miles Garrett are, are going to take advantage of a rookie. You saw last night with Charles Cross with Seattle. So, I mean, this does happen to rookie left tackles. But the operation, you said it best, the operation has to be much better. Yeah, and I believe it will get better. Um, 
over time. I just think that when you're living in these situations where it's like third and 14, 15, yeah. I mean, it's just an impossible situation for an offense. Sure, there are some um, situations where you do convert, but for the most part, let's be honest, when you're facing a third and 14 or third and 10 plus, uh, you know, the chances are going to go against you. And yeah. I'm not defending it or justifying, you know, why they were in those areas to begin with. Some of them were penalties that they had to clean up. Some of them were sacks. I I will say I thought the receivers they were fine. I mean, it was good to see Robbie catch that deep ball uh yeah. touchdown. Uh very nice to see that. Uh looked to be a coverage breakdown. Uh, good job by Mayfield to drift a little bit in the pocket and create a window and I yeah. uh, anticipated and threw it in the right location. It was a good throw. Um uh, DJ Moore he wasn't involved for the most part and again, I think that comes down to just how they're utilizing him more than like one of their corners shutting him down. I didn't see that. I mean, the interception, again, it just, I know a lot of people look at it and say terrible throw, but again, it, that comes down to timing issues. Like was Mayfield expecting shy Smith to be somewhere or was shy Smith running the correct route? And that just comes down to chemistry um, where I didn't necessarily see it as a complete failure just from the quarterback. Totally. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it takes a village to be that bad early on. Um, you know, Mayfield in the in the second quarter did come close to throwing a couple of interceptions. He had one on the game. And I love the Anderson throw. I love the fact that Mayfield brought them back and we get some more thoughts on that coming, I'm sure. But again, it just felt so predictable. I mean, they, they were put in situations once again where first downs really led to third down bad situations. You can't get five or six on first down consistently. And then second down becomes a bit of a quandary. Then you end up in a situation where here we are again, third and eight, third and nine, third and 12. You know, I heard Sean Payton today on, on Cowherd. Maybe this is yesterday. I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if you caught this uh, interview where he talked about, you know, they were looking at maybe drafting Mahomes. And he brought up some interesting stuff about, you know, how to get your quarterback into a rhythm early on. And it is what you just mentioned about giving him some layups giving the quarterback some easy, you know, some tunnel screens, uh, some some slant flat concepts that get, get the ball in your playmaker's hands early on. It's one thing that Brady did a really good job with Bridgewater back in 2020, early yes. in the game. Feed it to Robbie, get DJ some RAC yards here early on. And, you know, I don't put all that on Mayfield. I think they just got to conceptually be a little bit better um, early on in these games. And so Mayfield is not, you know, chasing his tail around. A credit to him and the entire structure for getting back in the game, but you can't start 14, nothing in a hole there in the second quarter. It's not going to, it's not going to go well this year, Billy, if it goes that way, because these teams, they face every single one of them, even the Rams who had a bad week, one game on the ground, they know how to structure a good run game. They know how to attack your weakness. So it's got to be complimentary ball all around. And you've got to stop putting the ball on the ground, Mayfield in particular, and even Elfline, they've got to stop doing that. Yeah. And, and I, Let's get to some of the positives offensively. Like I said, I thought Robbie was really good for the most part. I, I saw him get open on a few other throws. Um, but again, lack of protection just really didn't allow him to get open or allow him to see a target. Um, was there anything else that you kind of, I know you just mentioned it, that you want to point out offensively? Yeah, like I, like you said, I, I think the resilience 
from them to come back and uh, really put, put together some encouraging drives is maybe something you can take away from this game and possibly use as uh, momentum in the future. Yeah, no, I think the, the deep shot to Ian Thomas was encouraging. They, they were in a bit of a spot of bother there. Um, and, you know, credit to the offense for seeing it, for, for Mayfield, for understanding there was a breakdown. He just runs up the seam, and there's a single high situation, and there's just nobody there in the void. And Thomas almost gets it all the way, and then they simplify things at the goal line, give it to McCaffrey, let him get the score. So I thought that was positive. And you get into the third quarter with this team, and and things do start to cook up a little bit. Things do heat up a little bit offensively to where, okay, they're responding. Now, it was a scoreless third quarter, but at least the defense was starting to clamp down a little bit, get a few stops. And then into the fourth quarter, you know, it was encouraging to see what they did, you know, to get back into this game. I love the deep shot to Robbie. I love taking advantage of some coverage openings there. You know, you look at how they ended their last three series, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And, you know, we can debate what happened at the end of the game. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But it seemed like, you know, especially with what happened last night in Seattle with Nathaniel Hackett, I think we, we can't nitpick Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo too much. No, um, no I actually I, – I think it was – especially since that first down was a, another bot snap. And, and yeah, that, that, kinda, that really that just threw things off. That could have been anything on an RPO situation. Yeah, that really threw things off because in that situation, I – Given your kicker, you you don't know what he's going to be like and all this other stuff. I would have preferred that they tried to score a touchdown there. Now, things get very tricky because of the fact that Cleveland is limited with the timeouts and you want to give Jacoby Brissett, who's already been struggling, as limited time as possible to march his team down the field. And you also want to make sure that he doesn't have timeouts. So... After that first down play, you know, second down, whatever, run the ball. I, I honestly didn't care about it. But if that first down play, if they executed it to where maybe it's a play action and they try to score a touchdown, that would have been much more ideal. It, really, it was on, on tape. It looks like cover one, and it looks like Quanu's already getting into a pass set. I really think it was a pass. I think it was going to be a play action shot because you've got – Two up, up top, you've got more down on the boundary, isolated. I think it could have been a touchdown. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bash rule for that. I'm just going to say, hey, in that situation, you once again, you can't put the damn ball on the ground. You can't. Yeah. Um, I'll get to Matt Rule in a second when we do our stock rising and stock falling. Um, <laughs> no, and, and I, but I'll get to him. So, officiating. Honestly, John? I am never going to be a person who complains about officiating, especially when you're putting yourself in that situation to begin with. You should not <laughs> give yourself a 14-point deficit at home against Jacoby oh, Brissett. Totally agree. And I think that there were a lot of culminating factors that led to the final result being what it is, as opposed to the decisions that Brad Rogers and his crew made on that final drive. I think they were the wrong calls. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't know if it would have made a difference because even if they did call it intentional grounding, I think that kicker probably makes it from 65. What was how long was um Graham Gano's game winner against the Giants? I think it was 63. And it yeah, was I the same direction where Cade York kicked it, right? Same direction, yeah, same type of conditions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just I think there's some type of wind 
um, on that side of the stadium that kind of pushes the ball. And and I'm not taking anything away from the kick. The guy, the kid would have made it from 70 if I, if I really was reading some of the things I, I saw from the distance, but still officials, Refs. Yeah, you got to do better in that situation. Do I'm not going to sit here and, and turn this into bashing the zebras, but if you want to take this away and have anything that you want to get off your mind, feel free. No, I look. I'm like you. It, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, if you go back to the first couple of quarters and even the third quarter offensively of that game, that's where they lost it. I mean, you shouldn't. In that situation, I think we felt pretty good about Carolina's chances in this game if they could stay with Cleveland and put them in a neutral at least position in terms of play calling. But when you get that far behind and they can start basically they were at one point running a two minute drill with their run game. It was embarrassing. But it gets to the final drive there and then Burns, you know, who's to say if it was his arm, I think it was, hits the guy in the helmet. And there's an emphasis added this year. Matt Rules talked about this where if the guy's going high for a pass, they're going to pull back on calling those this year. Well Brad Rogers called it. Okay, fair enough. You get down to the end, and there's a lot of, you know, talk about, hey, was that a legal spike or was it intentional grounding? Well, the rule does suggest that it should be intentional grounding. But once again, they should have never been in that position. They should have never allowed Jacoby Brissett to be in that position to drive down and and then to give up a a field goal to a rookie who was perfect on the day, by the way. Um, That's just unfortunate. That's the nature of the NFL. Shit happens. And, you know, you can go back all day and complain about the officiating. It's certainly not something you want happening to your team. But I get back to, you know, Carolina's last play before their field goal. It was an RPO concept. And it it very well could have been D.J. Moore on a glance route. And he had isolated coverage. So there's another opportunity you probably missed there. There's so many things you can look at in this game. So, you know what? There's There's a play here, a play there, a penalty here, a penalty there that Carolina incurred that could have cost them the game. But. Yeah, in high leverage situations, you never want to see that much involvement from the officials or that lack of involvement from the officials when it's pretty clear cut that there was a violation. But as you said, I think that field goal would have been good from 65, 70 yards. So um, I I don't know if it would have mattered, but um, you certainly do wonder. Yeah, and again, the officials, week one, week one for them too. And if you remember, there was a, a penalty that, Brad Rogers had to re- reiterate like three or four times. It was so weird. It, it was like early in the game. Yeah. Um, I was just like, what What are you doing? Like, leave us alone. Like, let, let's watch the game. Like, stop getting even involved. Got, got the sideline interference call. I mean, the, the, that's always a real. Yeah, I remember that. Right off the bat. So, I mean, that's it was just a sloppy game. Officiating-wise, coaching-wise, um, just a, a, a Carolina team that was not well-prepared out of the gates, and they paid the price. Well, my yeah, offensively, I don't think they were well prepared. Defensively, they didn't execute. I, I think there is a difference from that standpoint where I I just feel like the defense is going to be the issue that we know the run defense. Um, I'm not sure it's a preparation issue as much as it is a uh, just a general issue about the weaknesses on that unit, but. It is what it is. And uh, yeah. let's kind of transition out to our stock rising and stock falling. I'm going to go first. I know there's um, not many to choose from with the stock rising, but I do think there was an area that I was left um, 
little bit more encouraged by, and it's an issue that has been plaguing this coach for two years um, before this season, and it's been his game management. Uh, I would say that Matt Rule's game management was a stock rising. Uh, I felt that he managed the timeouts very well. I didn't see any pre-snap penalties. I didn't see any organizational issues like snapping the ball off in time, making sure you have the correct number of players in the huddle, getting the plays on in time so you're not you know, snapping it with one or two seconds when you don't have to. Um, he kept all of his timeouts late in the game in a situation where they needed to, uh, and um, they got the ball back around two minutes because um, they did actually decide to stop the run on that final or this second to final drive uh, for the Browns. And uh, yeah, they did a really good job. I thought from his end to just manage the game and there wasn't any foolishness, as I'd like to say that we've seen in the years past. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I, you know, we, we think of Matt rule as a coach that, you know, struggles in close games and look, the stat continues that, uh, they they are zero and fourteen now in game winning drive situations under Coach Rule. Now, look, they did what they had to do offensively to get in position. I guess that's where I'll put my stock rising in Baker Mayfield. Now, I know it wasn't pretty early on, and some people be shaking their heads, but Billy, it hasn't been very often that we've seen a quarterback pull a team back into the game like Mayfield did. And I know some of these were blown coverages, but he did do some good things in recognizing where they were. He ran for a touchdown. He had that emotional lift I think that got the whole team back into this thing defense responded at times from that and we've seen the experiment with Bridgewater we've seen it with Sam Darnold PJ Walker Cam Newton uh part two that is with Cam Newton and I thought it was a promising fourth quarter by Mayfield I mean I don't want to compare him to Jake Galone but I think there was some of that in him some of that spark and fire and some of that execution in high leverage situations so I would say stock rising quarterback play in high leverage fourth quarter situations, I thought was much better this time around. And hopefully that's something that can translate into close games this year where this quarterback can be effective in those situations. Yeah, for sure. Um, stock falling for me, it's the entire run defense and just everything about it. And, and that just, it doesn't start with one player or two players. It's, it's a top down failure in my opinion from the front office, not addressing in this offseason from coaching you know not committing an extra defender in the box to account for the run and then obviously the players missing tackles not being lined up in the correct gaps not gapping you know your right gaps and just not being able to execute again i just think it's a combination of so many different things and this is going to be a real struggle for them throughout the year and I'd love to be proven wrong and this unit can go out there and hold Saquon Barkley under four yards of carry and hundred yards total, but it's going to be tough sledding. And for me, this is just uh, an area that I'm not sure, John, it, it's, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's something that you can't fix. And it's one of those things. It's like in golf. If you start having the shanks, or the yips. Uh, the yips is a better one, like in the putting game. If you're like inside of five feet and you're just missing everything, it gets in your head. Um, and it, once again, you see four players that were here during a very prideful time with this defense under Ron Rivera and under Sean McDermott. You know, KK Short, Charles Johnson in particular, they're voicing their opinions on social media during this game and after this game about this concern. And it's got to get better. Um, I would say, you know, stock falling for me would, would be just a few guys here on defense. I think 
you need to pick up your game a little bit if you're Phil Hoskins and Damian Wilson. Those are two guys in the run game that were a little bit exploited there, I thought. Wilson is your middle linebacker. He's your Mike. He had 31 snaps in this game. He's got to be a little better there. He's got to quit missing tackles. Um, and then in the coverage side of things, you don't want to beat him up too much, but C.J. Henderson, you got to be a little bit better there in terms of not getting turned around in coverage. you got to get your head around. And like you said, if you can't get your head around, play through the ball because you got safety help there over the top. I'm sure these guys are good better. I'm, I think there were some guys on defense who actually had some good snaps. Hartsfield, Woods come to mind. Um, I don't think Derek Brown's tape was a disaster. But overall, it's just the run defense. It's the same kind of theme as you. You know, look, the guys that are in there rotationally, this is like where the Bills are miles ahead of everybody else, and in, in even Carolina. They've got eight deep that can come in and just be great up front, and Carolina's just not there yet. So this is who they are. They've got to accept it. And offensively, there's got to be better complementary football to not put this defense in position where they're, you know, trailing by 14 against a team that's going to line up and punch them in the mouth. Because to this point, they have yet to prove they can sustain that. Yep. Um, and we'll do a preview this upcoming week on the Giants, but I'm I'm a little nervous about what Saquon can do. And hey, maybe our concerns can be used as a reverse jinx in some respects but any uh any final parting thoughts this evening john no look i just want for these fans to to get some good feelings back i mean this is an eight game losing streak they're on right now dating back to last year this is not a pleasant drive they've been on in terms of a losing streak we've been through these before uh john fox had an eight game losing streak back in 2002 Obviously, had a losing streak back in 2010, and that was kind of an asterisk season. Rivera's been through some losing streaks before. Um, we've seen it, so it's unfortunate. But until you start winning games, and you've got to win game. Winning cures it all, man. It, it really does. And if they had won that game, had York's field goal sailed to the right, 1-0 is a good place to be right now instead of 0-1. Uh, doesn't make your run defense any much better. But at least you get out of there. And, and as John Fox always said, it sure feels better when you win and you make those corrections. Uh, I hope the mentality of this team stays strong. And I hope Rule starts getting some wins, man, because I'm worried about his security. I, I, I need to see this team get this win in New York because if they don't, it, it doesn't get easier, Billy. The schedule that you got to make hay in this first quarter of the season, it gets brutal going into October. So they've got to start putting the pedal to the metal. Yeah, and just to review that schedule, uh, the next week is, or the next few weeks are the Giants on the road, and then they have three at home in a row. The Saints, yep. the Cardinals, the 49ers. And after that, it's in L.A. against the Rams and then hosting the Bucks. Um yep. But yeah, no, the, the, the schedule is certainly... It gets tougher. There's no question about it. I know a few, a couple of those teams here upcoming, whether it's the Cardinals or the 49ers, they have some questions themselves. Um, but still, you faced a questionable team on Sunday and you couldn't get the job done at home. So there really shouldn't be any type of uh, looking ahead or wondering what you're going to do. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Got to win. Got to start winning now. All right, everyone, thank you again for joining, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Have a good one. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nady Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.